Hi, everyone, and welcome to the first panel in the Film Music Media Symposium 2023 series. I'm so excited about this conversation because we're sitting down with highly acclaimed composer and musician Mark Leggett. Mark has had a long and exciting career in the entertainment industry, creating and performing music for film, television, and his own solo albums, as well as collaborating with icons like Dolly Parton, Werner Herzog, Levon Helm, Kylie Minogue, and many others. Uh, today, we have the opportunity to hear from Mark about his musical journey. Uh, his creative process and his thoughts on the art of composing music for film and television. Uh, so without further ado, Mark, thank you so much for uh, joining me tonight. Thank you, Kai. It's great to be here. Yeah, so nice great to have to you. Here. Thank you. So to to start off, you know, I just like to kind of get a, a feel of, uh, of people's origin stories. I'm curious, um, sure. kind of, uh, if we go back to, what do you remember kind of maybe the first little germ or uh, something that kind of sparked interest <laughs> in music when you were younger what was what was that kind well, of was there a catalyst moment for you or did it kind of the, come along in a, a weird uh, way <laughs> there was a weird moment when i was just a little guy i was probably four or five and and i'm i'm you know uh late 60s at this point so this was a long time ago it was the 1950s uh, or probably right around 59 and I remember liking the radio so much, and, uh, but I really liked it when this one song came on. It was Do the Twist by Chubby Checker. Oh, yeah. And it was all the, all the rage at that time. And I didn't know what, you know, music was really. And, and I remember yeah. that coming on and I literally would get on the table and start dance, trying to dance like the guy. And I just really liked that, that beat, you know, that kind of thing. I, first time I'd really heard that. And then after that, you know, Chuck Berry. But it took until I was 12, you know, to really pick up an instrument. But I always had an interest in music. And in in the mid 60s uh you know at age 11 12 you know one one of my brothers got a guitar the beetle thing the beetle mania was happening all the 60s music was happening yeah. uh the early stages of that and uh everybody was just enamored with that style and that's where we started with music you know my one brother got a snare drum one got a guitar and i ended up taking up the guitar you know and and right. just from there on you know we were air force kids so we moved a lot. Okay, uh, so you're and so, so my, my first experience with, with it was in the South, Southern US. And, and then, you know, a few years later, we ended up moving to Guam because my dad, which, uh, you know, the island of Guam in the yeah. Pacific, South Pacific. And uh, there was lots of interesting music there. I'd never, I didn't know anything about the culture uh, and heard a lot of, of the native music there, the original sounds. And I didn't know anything about balafones and, Southeast Asian music and we got exposed to a bit of that as well as there were a lot of stoner rock guys on that on the bass as well so I bet. there was a mix of that and all these kids these kids who didn't want to be on Guam listening to you know Led Zeppelin and everything and and uh, going crazy kind of metalhead kids so I was exposed to that and then just yeah. then then went back up to Spokane Washington where I was born originally uh that was a whole different music scene up there i learned a lot every time i went somewhere i i, I hung with guys that were way better than i was and in weaseling my way into bands and you know just picking up as much technique as i could on guitar and uh ended up in the midwest before i came out to la i was in the midwest in kansas city which is a serious music town yeah uh, in the middle of the country and 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 learned a lot of music theory that's where I, People were like, wait, you don't know theory? You don't know notes? You don't read? And, you know, they really, in five years, I kind of got an education just playing in all these, with these different musicians up there that were a little further along than I was. And so, uh, and then it came out here and it started all over. It started all in over. bars and started in dives, you know, played uh, 
what we call Deep Valley, way up in Ch- Chatsworth. There were these dive bars, and you, for twenty bucks a night, you could go up and get a gig. And that's I started that doing that, and was always writing songs and music, mostly tracks and songs at that point, not instrumental stuff. But uh, had not didn't even know what the scoring world was. But I, I ended up getting publishing deals with Warner Chapel and getting cuts and and you know pop hits in the early '80s with people uh, that '80s style music, and just kind of snowballed from there you know yeah it, it, no, snowball's the wrong word it's a very slow snowball snowball yeah it, it takes a long I, mean, I had a conversation yeah. with somebody else and we're just talking about how this kind of path whether in music i because I'm, I'm in the uh, i went to film school so i'm on the film path uh, mm-hmm. but it's like it just takes a little bit longer it's just and you know going to go into it, it's like okay yeah you see all your friends like buying houses and having kids and you're still kind of living you know doing yeah, that man. stuff and then but uh, i don't know uh, our passion kind of drives it and it's, it's that's right yeah. i mean i i was locked into a little apartment in the valley for 12 years in, in yeah. north hollywood uh, when I got out here and it was by the time I left there after 12 years, uh, it was a recording studio. I had a 24 track tape recorder in there. I had a board, I, you know, <laughs> a bed and and everything else was, you know, the poor lady upstairs was just driven to madness. But, uh, um, it, it, you know, that's just the way it was, you know, yeah. you just you did what you did and you didn't make any money. I made a little bit, but enough to keep buying equipment. And, right. You know, I got my first, I've got a really good royalty check at one point, a signing check for, for a publishing deal uh, back then in the eighties. And, you know, it was like for back then it was really great. It was like 30 grand and for, for, you know, for a year contract. And uh, I'd never seen that kind of money. And I immediately went out and bought that 24 track and a console with it. I spent it just like that, but I spent (laughs) it on, I moved up a couple levels by having that stuff, you know, reinvest it. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, it helped record and make my product better. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's out there. I want to dive into, let's jump into, just try, I just want to dive into your uh, collaboration with, uh, of course, icon, uh, music icon Dolly Parton, uh, yeah. as you've scored several of her films like Heartstrings, Code of Many Colors, right. and her, her most recent film, Mountain Magic Christmas. Um, yeah. I remember my wife and I went, I mean, my wife is a huge Dolly fan. So we went to saw her at the bowl and I remember it was the most. Amazing oh, you went show. to that. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really good. Yeah. So yeah. Great. Tell me how did this collaboration begin and, and what is your kind of your working relationship like? Well, my relationship initially was with my, my scoring partner on the Dolly stuff. His name is Ray Bunch, Velton Ray Bunch. Uh, Emmy winning composer did the Star Trek enterprise has yeah. done his big show was Quantum Leap back in the day, the original Quantum Leap. And uh, he's he was a buddy. And he gave me some early scoring tips when I got started getting shows in the mid-80s. I started getting some work on my own scoring TV shows. And I didn't really know how to do it. I was coming from a track song kind of world. And he, you know, he kind of mentored me. Uh, and we ended up being great friends. And uh, he was Dolly's music director for her television show in the eighties, which ran for a couple of years, Dolly had a weekly special, like a variety show, skits and various, you know, musical guests. Every week was different. It was a well-regarded show. And uh, he was the, he was her guy. And so when she decided to start doing these, these narrative dramatic films, um, she said, I want Ray. And Ray called and he said, I want you. So, cause we, you know, cause I do so much guitar and instrumental st- instrument stuff plus i have a great scoring studio small scoring studio but you know room for string sections and everything and 
this is where I do all my, you know, the smaller films that I've done when we're not going out of house for orchestra. But, uh, you know, he called and said, let's, let's do the series. And so we work together. He is a real pen and paper, pencil and paper at the piano scorer. Yeah. old school and he's fantastic he is the most melodic and and nails the scene and he's just he's really something i would i aspired to be uh not so much on the tech end which i have that covered so with having the studio and doing that stuff for years so you know and we write completely differently but it really worked for the dolly stuff so i could come in and do like a, the some of these instruments you know dulcimers and and I don't know if you can see those things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, auto harps and, you know, we'll, we'll kalimbas and anything else we want and have violin fiddle players come in. And, you know, I can create those kind of ostinatos and those, the motion beds and things and score on top of that. Then he will come in with his written score and we will add these to that or we may go the other way around. But, uh, and then we would go, to either Capitol or some other room in town with the orchestra. And that was always a treat. And that's where we really, Dolly's been over here a few times just to do small things on, on the scores. But she showed up at Capitol one time when we were doing the scoring day, a few times she showed up, but always a joy. I mean, yeah. you know, it's a room full of producers and, and everybody wants to see Dolly and the orchestra's playing and it's kind of madness trying to get the stuff scored, but it works. <laughs> And in one tense moment, Dolly came up and I'm in the booth, Ray's out, my buddy's out there conducting. And uh, there was a tense moment, something was going down, something wasn't working. One of the producers was uh, upset about something. Yeah. And so I'm in the booth and I'm just sort of like, okay, trying to navigate through this. And she comes up to me, she goes, Mark, I'm so proud of you, give me a hug. And she uh -huh. gave me this big hug because <laughs> she felt the tension in the room and she saw that it was affecting me. And she, yeah. it just, you know, negated that instantly it was like she's so cool you know she's she's the boss and she's also just you know she doesn't throw her weight around you know she's not like that she she's she's uh encouraging you know yeah, I think she, yeah those are the great kind of leaders they they encourage people yeah. to do their best yeah you bring yeah. the best out when if you're yeah. tense and uncomfortable you're gonna be yeah. probably second yeah. guessing yourself and yeah yeah yeah, she's very nurturing and 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 knows what she wants too. Not that she's a whim. I mean, she something yeah. she doesn't like. She gets what she wants and and her musical sense. The the great joy in working with her was uh, on the heartstrings. That was eight films all squeezed into a I don't know a five month period. Six months. It was a real grueling scene. Yeah. And uh, um, on the main title and on a several of the scores we thought wouldn't it be cool we need a little bit of dolly's sound not a song because you know the scores were sort of independent of the of the songs of her songs unless they were connective tissue you know they were segueing right. into from the song to the score or whatever we would incorporate a bit of her melody but generally we would score the music just you know original music and needed we needed that flavor so she would give us these just Wordless vocals, ooh, ahs, and, and just little ad-libs that she did. So you wake up in the morning, you've been working on this music all night, and you wake up the next morning, and there's this, you know, folder of files sitting in your Dropbox, and it's Dolly just, you know, ad-libbing to whatever music you had written, putting these wow. in. When she says, just do what you want with them. So we got to pepper the score with little pieces of that, and that was my favorite part of the whole scoring scene with her. 
That's was amazing. Get, getting to use her voice as an instrument, not as a vocal. You know, she wasn't singing vocals, uh, singing lyrics. That was really cool. So that is awesome. Wow. Yeah. So, um, what was your? I mean, you, you talk about kind of her contributions on the on the score a little bit. That's pretty cool. But what was your process like with arranging uh, her songs for one of your pre just you know for heartstrings? Well, we did uh, one that comes to mind. We did each of the eight films is based on a song of hers and they took the song lyrics and the story of the song like jolene everybody yeah. knows the story of jolene you know trying to take my man blah blah, blah. anyway they turned that into uh, they wrote a script around it you know and turned it yeah. into a story and so that came up a lot so we would you know play all the openings it was a matter of having having to you know learn the part yeah, the, the signature stuff and carry that through the score and then use that as maybe a bed or as an ostinato for the score. Just take riffs out of her songs and, you know, create a score around that and let that segue into a thing. And sometimes we would try to emulate the track on the record. We would just pick it up and go, boom, we're going to we're going to make this sound like the old record. And that only happened a couple of times. But generally, we would start with some sort of signature motif from her, one of her songs and tonally or or rhythmically and carry that through and create a piece of score from that. Wow. But when they had to connect, we did stuff like that. We would take it and and just, you know, take the main riff. Yeah. Uh, some of her melodies, there's one we did down from Dover, which was I'd never heard this song, but it was about a uh, in the Vietnam War during the Vietnam War. Uh, uh guy and his gal he goes off to war she's pregnant with his child and he doesn't know it and but this they created this beautiful story it was really touching and uh uh we incorporated that melody it's sort of like an it sounds a little like an irish ballad you know very beautiful sad kind of thing yeah. and uh uh we used that melody constantly through the score and you did it with big sweeping strings and it just let all her melodies lend themselves to anything you want to do with them she's She's just, um, I don't know. It seems to touch a, touch a, a nerve with everybody, you know. Yeah, she's amazing. I mean, she. It's a kind of primal, primal nerve that people get the emotion from her stuff, you know, and her voice, but her melodies yes. as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So for uh, for Dolly uh, Parton's Ma uh, Mountain Magic Christmas, uh, the scoring was done with a live orchestra, and and you use various yeah. acoustic instruments like guitars. Um, can you talk to more about the scoring process for that film? For the film, yeah, it was that too. Was a lot of when I showed you these various mountain instruments and things, dulcimers and uh, auto harps and things. It was a bit of that, but the whole thing. It's, you have to see the show. The show was about uh, the story was about. Uh, it's about them putting on a Christmas special in Dollywood and mm -hmm. everything goes, everything goes wrong. And Dolly doesn't like what they're doing because it's all show business and, and she wants to get back to her roots. And, you know, so we had to do a bit of like show music. You know, if you're in Dollywood and you're up on the stage and she's trying to dance to this thing, you know, when she's not dancing to actual songs with her guest entertainers, guest singers, we would do like almost play on playoff music. You know, and then we do yeah. the dramatic scoring when everything goes wrong. We would have to, you know, there was a few tender moments in there as well, but uh, it was all over the map. It was a lot of this, you know, mountain stuff, a bit of show music. There were a couple of things that sounded like an old Doris Day Rock Hudson movie, where it's a bubbly little orchestra with lots of, you know, lots of I don't know, <laughs> lots of charm. 
right and uh that kind of thing it was all over the place but it was fun to do you know and okay. the, i guess i guess it worked the ratings were great yeah you know yeah. that's amazing so it, it, it's a pretty good it came out to be a pretty good score you know i wish they would release some of that stuff but they never seem to do that with these tv th- these yeah, types of productions yeah i know those ones are yeah. you know it gets tough sometimes i, mean, I work on shows that sometimes you're just like oh i want to get this music out there and it's just like come yeah. on yeah <laughs> well we you know i in the early days with some of the first things we did for her uh code of many colors back in 2016 or whenever it was uh we did a couple of years of christmas movies and the score was we're just sweeping big orchestra and and several of her songs and we went ahead and made one at the end and made a, a soundtrack you know album and uh couldn't really do anything with it warner's yeah. and warner says no you know it's not yeah. sanctioned and uh but you know <laughs> we sent it to dolly and her friends you know so yeah it's for the uh, casting and, crew <laughs> yeah exactly so <laughs> well yeah. i mean i mentioned uh you you know you're using acoustic instruments like guitars and everything so mm-hmm. uh, speaking of guitars uh what was your inspiration for your solo uh finger style uh guitar album guitars and blackbirds and your ep folktown uh, uh, guitars and blackbirds was a i've always done these beetle arrangements beetle songs with with finger style acoustic arrangements uh, i've worked on it my whole life i take a beetle song and figure out how to play it acoustically try to get the melody in there you know that kind of finger style guitar thing and so a couple of years ago i slowly recorded these things and got them where i liked them and released them you know and it's yeah. it's out there it's not you know obviously not original material but uh it's out on all the streaming and everywhere and it's it does okay you know it's it's a niche thing. Um, the baby boomers love it. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, all the Beatles fans and the sixties fans, you know, it does, does well with those people. And, uh, and I also, um, transcribed a lot of it and a lot of guitar players, uh, uh, love it. You know, they'll, they'll learn the parts and, you know, I've got the music download downloadable for free, the transcripts. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I know a lot of guitar players who, the, yeah, eat that up. <laughs> the, yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, that's that the other um the other uh, i should say transcriptions not transcripts anyway uh those transcripts are available uh on my website and uh the the other one folktown is just a bunch of original acoustic guitar type music of mine that i've worked on for a while and finally finishing that up this month and uh, getting that out there and um you know, and trying to trying to take that music and have a video component to it. Other than there are quite a few videos of me playing that stuff that have done quite well. Um, but the, uh, you know, sometimes you don't want to just have a performance video. So yeah. trying to create some video content on my original stuff to where there's a little bit of a storyline, a little bit of me playing, a little bit of something happening, you know, on the screen, coming up with ideas for that. So it's, you know, the, the Folktown is a real kind of Americana, uh you know that kind of music very yeah. simple you know so, and your and <laughs> your you know life and career of like exploring different instruments is there anything that you haven't tried yet that you'd love to incorporate in a new project any uh, something that you um, just have never tried and want to <laughs> you know i i would like to work with various players and i have in the past with largely violins and uh singers and stuff and creating sounds you know so in scoring now you you can have unique sounds create sounds with software and you know you can make a make a uh, an instrument a keyboard instrument sound out of anything so yeah. you know i've worked i'd like to work with more woodwinds and low winds and you know uh contrabassoons and things like that for for uh exploring just sort of sound design sounds and things like that 
Um, any instrument that I see that I don't really know, if I see one out for sale somewhere or see it online, I'll buy it and then if, you know, and use it to create new sounds using yeah. software or, and, or maybe, maybe I can even learn to play it a little bit, but you know, I can get some kind of sound out of most things except wind instruments, but, um, <laughs> but you know, with the technology, the way it is now, everything is music. You know, yeah. everything you could, you know, bang on your head with a spoon. And then if you want to put a mic on there, you've got a sound and go use it. You know, oh, no, yeah. uh, there's some great people out there doing that. Ryan Lott, uh, Sunlux, that guy, he's a, one of my favorite composers. I just interviewed, I just had interviewed yeah, him and in, in yeah. the weekend. So, in, in, oh, yeah. So, <laughs> so fantastic. That's cool. That's cool for everything all at once. It just blew my mind. And oh, he's yeah. he's very inventive and he's been. He's been doing stuff like that for a long time. I listened, got into his stuff quite a while ago and just thought, think he's great. And anyway, that's kind of where you can go now with sounds and music, you know, Absolutely, incorporating yeah. tonal music with sound design and electronica. But uh, yeah, and I, I like a lot of electric, with all the acoustic stuff I have, I do like a lot of electronic music as well, so. I know. I mean, just uh, finding a palette, finding and mixing things up and create. I mean, that's the that's yeah. the joy of it. Finding something new, like yeah. trying to well, old and new, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know that that and if is it appropriate to what you're working on? And and yeah, yeah. now you can try a million ideas. You know, if you can get a couple of weeks, like many people do this, but you get a couple of weeks with the film or the the scene or whatever it is you're working on, and you just try a million things because it's so easy to get things. You know, and just see what sticks. Does that little melody, maybe something will pop up and there's your kernel for the rest of the score. You know, many people can work that way now and do. Uh, I think it's great. It's yeah. an exciting time. Absolutely. You can ca you can capture everything you do now. And it's, you just have to, you just have to have some taste and be a little <laughs> discerning, you know, <laughs> that's the hard part. <laughs> Well, uh, uh, talking about you, you're talking about you know doing it what's right for the project. So uh, I want to jump into another amazing world that you got to work in, which doc, with Doctor the Doctor Who universe. Yeah. Um. Of course, with your score for the documentary Doctor Who Am I? Uh. What was your scoring process like for it, and uh, did the series influence you? Your uh, and what kind of instruments were you using for that? You know what? I I went into that not knowing when they the producers and director uh, said, uh, "Yeah, we want you to do it." I said, you do? And I said, I don't know anything about Dr. Who. And I, I assumed they wanted sci-fi music, you know, and yeah. like the, you know, like the music is now on there. It's kind of, there are epic moments and there are, you know, it's that whole sci-fi world. And uh, they said, oh, no, you don't need to know anything about it. It's it's about, it's a story about a guy navigating through that world, you know, and carrying a lot of emotional baggage while he does. Uh, and uh, so I just sat down and I came up with piano ideas and a couple of melodies that, that, that they responded to and used those and then got into, you know, they're covering uh, the Doctor Who conventions are much like Trekkie conventions. In yes. America, they, people dress up. In the States, everybody dresses up and it's a real, it's a real show. It's a deal. And uh, so there was that in the show, which I, I scored once again with some of these acoustic instruments. Uh, doing very quirky little rhythmic parts and adding almost a, a circus-like atmosphere to it, which which worked well with those scenes. But then it would navigate or pivot over to Matthew, who's who's the main character. This is about uh, with some. It's heartfelt. It's a real human kind of story, but peppered with moments of those carnival-like things. And it, yeah. you know, I thought of it like that, you know, uh, of being 
not circus music, but you know, it's just got that bounce to it. It's it came out pretty well, and they seem to like it. It doesn't get in the way of the score. Um, there's a lot of, you know, it's a it's a documentary, and it's on site at these conventions a lot of times when they're not one on one, speaking to the camera. But yeah. uh, so there's a lot to compete with. So a little bit went a long way on that. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel like so, with scoring a documentary, you have to. It's. A, I mean, you're still has the same goal as a, as a fictional film, but you're you know you're dealing right. with a little bit different structure with talking heads and you know different things yeah. and yeah. So you have to kind of navigate a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a tough thing sometimes. And then there's some that I've worked on in the past. Uh, that uh, it was a Holocaust documentary a few years back. We recorded the orchestra in in Bratislava. Uh, one of my first remote sessions uh, that I've done like that and. Uh, and that was, you know, really treading lightly, but yeah. creating that that world of that but the story about Anne Frank and, uh, um, yeah, that was staying out of the way and not pushing the tone, you know, just right. trying to be tr not neutral, but trying to just just I don't know. The only thing I could do is stay out of the way and write some fairly flowing long long lines. And just letting things simmer, you know, not try to yeah. get stuff, you know, it was not like that. And I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah. And, and it was, yeah, with a documentary like that, when you're dealing with historical something with that weight of it too, I know you can't, you don't want yeah. to be too manipulative yeah. with the music and trying to like, you know, exactly. and, like, and trying to pull heartstrings like forcefully. The, I think this, you have to let the story, you know, support the story as much as possible. Let the, the actual facts. I yeah. Guess, yeah. And I've made that mistake years ago on a, early document i did when i was first starting this and it was a it was regarding nazis in america or something and man they didn't seem to care but i hit it hard and pretty much made them all you know hit, hit him with all the evil sounds that i could and tonality that i could and it was you know i looking back it's like oh that was a mistake fortunately it didn't go very far but uh but yeah you got you can't you, you that stuff speaks for itself you just yeah. have to capture the right things i right. believe yeah well, I want to jump into something that I'm actually a huge fan of, which is uh, My Name is Earl, which is, oh, you know, yeah. which uh, has, I think, still, I think, hold up to this day. And of course, you know, the, the cool part about streaming is that all these new generations are kind of finding shows and reliving through them and, you know, shows that have right. been off the air. But um, and uh, so you decided to go for that score kind of in a blues direction. And I'm curious, what was the. Uh, inspiration for the influence and, and and what was it like i guess just the the whole process yeah. that show. well when we got the pilot it was um it was temp that way it was mm. temp, not with the hard not with the stuff we ended up doing um but you know they tempted it with a couple of there's an old 60s song called spirit in the sky that is yeah. got some just a great feel to it and some twangy guitars not a lot of blues harp or anything like that but it it uh it sort of set the tone. And then we just ended up hiring the great Stan Behrens, who's a well-known blues harmonica player, been around forever and really great, uh, to be the, the lead instrument, you know? And so, and a lot of slide guitar, a lot of swampy guitar and stuff. But, you know, it, because it, it all took place in a trailer park and it was all kind of, I called it a highbrow, lowbrow show because it was a lowbrow scene, but, the writing was was smart the was writing was so really well great yeah. well so oh, good so good and yeah yeah the producers had 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 uh attempted tempt the, the pilot with a lot of that 60s kind of swampy blues music and it was great 
Uh, and we sort of stuck to that, but then we got a little more gut bucket with it. And that's another thing where there would also be moments in the show where you have to score something like a musical, The Music Man, because there's some reference to it and they're putting on a goofy play. And, and then there was the whole psychedelic episode where we got to do a lot of 60s stuff. So it was a, a real variety, but largely the whole tone of Earl was blues, kind of gut bucket. And that kind of stayed throughout the entire run of the show? Did it evolve yeah, at all? Yeah, already- well, we... We, we evolved a little bit in season three and we just started doing some more quirky kind of odd keyboard music and, and immediately got yelled at. So <laughs> we went right back to blues and, and, you know, it's like, yeah, you're overdoing it. Don't do too much. So we went right back to the, you know, blues harmonica and uh, lots of slide guitar, lots of uh, uh, broken down kind of acoustic guitars too. I, I bought a couple of $14 guitars at a swap meet, acoustic guitars that That's were just, awesome. you know, really terrible guitars. But yeah. detuned them really low. They're totally out of tune. They don't sound good. But we would just come up with the. I would come up with these phrases and riffs for certain cues that just worked well. You know, you get a close mic it and it just sounds like trash. But it worked. Yeah. You know, as long as you put some good sonics under it, a good bass sound, and you know, there were live drums on the on the score a lot. Yeah. And uh, it was fun. It was a real rhythm section type scene. Yeah. Is there any other? Uh... TV project that you've worked on that maybe has a sentimental you hold close to your heart that maybe a personal favor maybe if it isn't a big you know hit like you know my name is Earl but is there something yeah. maybe that that you really like well, love the, that you look back on that Anne Frank documentary was was yeah was uh, I think came out well just because I kept the tone down and I was proud of that um, um, I liked years ago and I didn't meet him but we worked you know over whatever there was no real uploading of files back then we were sending tapes back and forth leave on helm of the band um they they were in upstate new york recording one of their albums and the producer he was na- going to narrate this documentary on highway 61 which is the blues highway from chicago down to the delta and it was all about the musical journey you know and so he took a road trip and that's what the documentary was was about uh they needed a theme and they were in the studio recording and the director says or producer says Hey, write something. We're going to send it to Levon Helm, see if they'll record it while they're in there. And they did. And so uh, <laughs> I had a few notes back and forth. And and so I had this main title um, recorded by the band, you know, that 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 incarnation of the band back then. It was uh, no Robbery Robertson at that point, but it was Levon Helm and, and he was using the band. He was the band at that point. Yeah. But really great, great players. I liked that. I really liked working on, uh, there was a, a thing called Dinotasia which was a uh, animated dinosaur show also based on a thing called Dinosaur Revolution. Uh, that was the long form series part. They took this long form series, Dinosaur Revolution, cut it down to a, a uh, 120 minute, mm. you know, or not even that, 90 minute doc um, or film. And uh, that was, Warner Herzog was involved and was the narrator and got to meet him. and kind of hang out for for an afternoon and uh, awesome. that was a real joy quite a quite a man yeah i met i, I was on the wb lot going somewhere either i was going to a screening or i was visiting a friend or something and he was right. walking right by me and i was like oh uh, my god that's Werner herzog and i was like don't bother him but then like uh, looking back i was like that's my biggest regret of not stopping and just like talking yeah. for like the two seconds would, i was like oh, i'm not gonna leave i'm gonna leave the man alone but i was like man he's made so many of my favorite documentaries and my I mean, right. it's films dating back, you know. <laughs> oh, 
uh, yeah, he he uh, he's fantastic, and, and you you could have easily said hi to him because I'm sure. My yeah, with him, he was very very open. You know, the man ate a shoe. I have a bet, so I'm sure <laughs> <laughs> he'll right. be okay. <laughs> you can talk to him. Anybody can talk to that guy. Yeah, that's great. A man who who says I'll eat my shoe for a bet and actually commits to it. That's a <laughs> as long as he spices it up a little bit. Yeah, as long as he properly you know prepared it. <laughs> that's funny. Um, uh, oh yeah, sorry. Go ahead, continue if you. Oh no, that's I just <laughs> say that that was one a good experience just to just to be in the room with him and you yeah. know work on that and have a lunch and it was great. Um, yeah. Those, yeah. those, and you know, I really like working on the Dolly stuff. Uh, nowadays, I'm, 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 I just keep working on guitar music and and studying music and listening to lots of stuff. You know, that's when I'm not working. I have a little downtime here, redoing my studio uh, in this month. Uh, oh yeah. So so. Is uh, so speaking about your downtime and how you're kind of working on stuff. Is that uh, how kind of how you? I mean, I'm curious about how you evolve your, your how your style has maybe evolved, like your personal style as a, as a musician, as a person, as a storyteller. How has that evolved uh, throughout your life? How I'm sure when you were traveling, those stories you were telling at the beginning of when we started talking, when you're in bands and jumping around and moving around, I'm sure that was just like you were soaking up different musical cultures like a sponge. And that, right. of course, right. made an imprint on you. So I'm curious. If you ever, if you ever kind of looked at yourself in the mirror of, as your musical style, how does it evolve? Do you, are you consciously evolving it? Do you know it's evolving? Or... As a player, I work on the guitar stuff quite a bit to yeah. the point of getting tendonitis. I worked on it mm. so much where I had to stop for a few weeks because of tendonitis. But I work on that quite a bit and and try to learn many pieces and come up with arrangements of pieces and just write a lot of original pieces. Um, I, I use a lot of different tunings. Um, and being able to incorporate that, I think, into scoring now, yeah, I am more at ease doing that. And I can, I can, you know, start off an idea with guitar or some other stringed instrument I can play, or and, but it won't stay there. You know, it'll end mm -hmm. up being orchestrated. It'll end up being going in, and you're playing with all your samplers and all your all your sounds. And and you know, like I said earlier, you can, you know, it's so easy to capture everything. Yeah, you know, but but I think incorporating my sense of guitar playing American Americana type music. Not that that's all I play, but, but also, you know, I studied jazz and theory and, and improv and everything. Um, as that, as I evolve as a player, it really helps with scoring because, mm, you know, yeah. I realize that the smallest little kernel of something can actually be a big thing in a score, you know, right. whereas guitar working on your instrument of choice, you, you, you tend to like get through as much material as you can and really, you know, excel at that. Yeah. Um, it, it's taught me to slow down a little bit and just take little pieces of music that I can play and go, well, that's, that's so simple on the guitar. But then if you take that simple little idea and extrapolate that into a score, you know, right. a variety of instruments, whatever you choose, gosh, you know, I, I'm more aware of that now. Whereas before I would just try to cram everything into a score or into a guitar piece uh yeah just does the what does like the way the industry is moving does like the do outside i guess the environment ever affect the way you evolve your style like oh this is in right now or this is where these sure. type of scores or movies are really big right now do you kind of push yourself maybe i should start figuring this style I, out or that style i out? did i did for a while but i just can't 
uh, one thing I, I've realized really quickly, I can't do the epic style that so many people do so well. And yeah. I can, you know, melodic stuff is more my bag, but, uh, you know, to build an epic type piece of music and get it to climax at the right time and that, you know, you can, you can kind of, I pecked at that for a while, but I thought this, you know, I wasn't good at it. So I just, right. <laughs> I found what I, I found kind of my niche in doing more organic musical things and then bending those into a score. And I yeah. think that's kind of, kind of, you know, what I'm good at. And I think the thing to do is exaggerate what you're good at, you know, really try yeah. to try to nail that down. And once I realized, Oh, I, I kind of have a little sound if I have these instruments and it's kind of my own little vibe, you know, sure. I'm sure there are other people doing the same thing, but for me, it was like, Oh, I'm really at home with this and I, I'm going to just push this. So you know, I will hear some stuff and I'll be influenced by a score every every night. I watch him try to watch a movie and it's like mm. there's always some something great in the score these days. And you go, God, I got to try that. Why did you do that? You know, what's, and, uh, what's something you watched recently that really stuck out with you? Oh, gosh, I liked uh, what Desplat did on um, the outfit. I just watched yeah. that. And the tone of that was so great. I had no idea it was him when it started, when the mm. film started. Um just everything obviously everything all at once uh that knocked me out oh, yeah, that um, was amazing i don't know i just watched a bollywood thing which i never watched um called rrr which oh yeah that's bollywood big. That's big now, bollywood yeah. action thing buddy of mine just said hey watch that it's and he goes yeah you probably won't like the singing but it's it's really cool and I got to say, I kind of preferred that CGI to a lot of these superhero movies. It, that are out. I, I, I agree with you completely. Yeah. It, those, it, are my, those are my new heroes. Those yeah. guys. Yeah. Uh, I watched this Pretty channel cool. on, on YouTube called uh, Corridor Crew. And they they uh -huh. have a series called Visual Effects Artists React. They're a bunch of VFX artists in LA, kind of my right. age. But they will they'll watch and break down things. And they they broke down that. A lot of Bollywood, not just RR, but they'll look at all the techniques they use. And it's it's yeah. awesome. I mean, it's they, incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it's it's something i just was like yeah bollywood okay i know it's a bunch of people singing no it's not it's no, that's yeah, in yeah. there it just anyway that music i thought god that's just so different than anybody in la would do it's just completely yeah. different and some of it was great some of it was okay some of it i thought was yeah that's a little yeah but most of it i was like well, that guy had a very tough scoring gig and yeah. he <laughs> he stepped up to the plate and did it and and uh uniquely so in, in a lot of places you know well, yeah, I they take, yeah they take you what you just said earlier which i really i think i want to put on a t-shirt exaggerate what you're good at i, I love that yeah. line yeah and i think that's what they do amazingly with you know with, with bollywood film they exaggerate what they're good at and <laughs> yeah boy they, they've got it's it's a whole different world yeah it is um <laughs> Well, you also, I want to, before we uh, wrap up, I want to mention uh, you also uh, maintain a production music library, uh, Scorbo's yeah. Music, which is distributed by 411 Music Group. Um, mm -hmm. What type of music are you creating for that? It's everything. It's my everything. back catalog. Back, uh, I, I worked for, gosh, several years where I owned all my publishing and writing on hundreds of hours of documentary stuff and every type of music in the world. And... Um, at my studio several years ago, we took all this and realized, you know, I'd never really dealt in the production library world. And I thought this music is sitting here on drives. Let's format it. Let's remix it, remaster it. It took two years to, to get oh, this wow. thing into some kind of shape. But there are, you know, 130 CDs or albums, whatever you want to call them, with uh, 
with just different styles, music from France or, or, you know, action, generic kind of action stuff. Yeah. Sometimes a lot of the score stuff doesn't seem to do as well, but I ended up doing a lot of tracks for some of these documentaries. And uh, there's a lot of music there, you know, Southern rock tracks. Um, gosh, uh, there's, we have several geared towards ch children shows because mm, yeah. I had worked on a couple of those. Uh, owned the publishing, so I thought I own the music. I can reformat it and, and repurpose it. Um, it's everything. It's all kinds of stuff. Jazz piano stuff. Uh, gosh, um, all over the place. <laughs> no, just place. your basic your basic grab bag of of production music, you know. And uh, I've been with four one one. They they co publish and, and distribute. And wow. uh, yeah, that's a great company. Really wonderful company. Kristen uh, uh, Agi uh runs that company and she's she's great as a I, I, i'm curious as a musician and as a as a composer is it do you find the value in, in still kind of keeping the publishing rights of your music because i'm seeing all over the news now not mm -hmm. just composers but big stars bob dylan i mean just selling off they're selling their yeah. entire catalog and i'm curious what your take on that is and are they just well, going to get out now while they see uh, i think like oh there's think, some warning signs of something about to crash or like <laughs> Well, I don't think I don't think it, they're warning signs. I think it's already happening. Uh, yeah. uh, publishing and, and performance of your publishing, and you know, when you're on that level of Dylan and Springsteen, of course you're going to sell. You you know, yeah, that, those catalogs are worth, you know, mil obviously millions and millions Hundreds of dollars. Hundreds of millions, yeah, uh, yeah. So sure, they're going to do that for uh, my little modest thing. It's um, I don't know. I'll hang on to it as long as I can. Um, yeah. It's not making as much money as it used to. And that's going to continue to be the trend, I believe, for everybody, because mm -hmm. the performance aspect of it, performance royalty aspect is dwindling due to streaming, having such low, if non-existent rates. Yes. Yeah. And, horrible, you know, yeah. I think I think eventually, yeah, it's not as valuable as it was, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't keep your publishing where you want to just yeah. give it to these. If you can get more cash up front for that publishing, uh, that's usually the deal anyway. They pay you less and they let you keep all the rights. Right. Well, there may be more and more of that because the rights aren't worth as much. So I don't know yeah. where it's going, but I think it's already changed quite a bit. I think, yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, I, I would still try to keep anything I can, you yeah. know, if, but if they want to pay me quite a bit more to, to own the publishing, and a lot of places, you know, like obviously when we write the Dolly stuff or Warners and, and uh, you know, you, you don't, there's, that's not on the table. You know, they own, they own right. everything when you yeah. score a big show like that for for big uh you know corporation but yeah. uh different different but, ball well, but for the small, <laughs> yeah for the small stuff you know if you can keep it i would keep it now you know why not unless yeah. like i said unless they pony up some large dollars absolutely well which they which they probably won't <laughs> right so. well uh to to finish off our conversation uh yeah. besides exaggerating what you're good at what are some uh maybe some tips you have for aspiring composers in the film and tv industry is like a, a one piece of advice that you abide by is there something you've learned that maybe younger folks that are uh, entering probably, should know uh, what what i learned by not doing it and realizing i was a, a dummy for not doing it is is more networking go out mm. and yeah and meet filmmakers and don't just hang with musicians don't just hang with you know because that's the that's the that's the easy part you know I would, competition uh, <laughs> yeah it can be can be um, or an ally either way yeah, you, know, yeah, collaborator you, or you can you can team up but uh uh 
I would just say meet filmmakers, go yeah. go to the, and then stuff I never did. You know, I just sort of fell into it. I, I didn't realize I was meeting a filmmaker in the 80s when I, or, you know, uh, he was a director writer, but uh, he uh, he was playing bass on some dive gig that I was on down in Redondo Beach, you know, when I was getting started. And we became best friends and his family was a big TV family. And he's like, hey, why don't you score this thing? You got a studio in your apartment. And that's sort of how it started. But that was that was my form of networking. But I yeah. didn't, you know, I didn't seek out, you know, filmmakers. And I think you got to do that now. You got to go to everything you can and just yeah. meet people, play them your stuff, you know, be open, be nice and say, hey, you know, you can't force everybody your CD on everybody or your 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 link. But uh there's ways to do it. Get to know people sincerely, and then you know, hopefully that will that will come to fruition. Uh, I think some kind of relationship. But um, I do that. I would um, on the musical side. I would just listen to everything that's out there. You know, if you're just getting started, you know, sure, try to emulate as much stuff as you can. See what yeah. see what resonates with you as a musician, and and work on your if you have a primary instrument, which most people do continue with that don't just stop because you're now scoring you know mm. i and i i did that for a long time and i stopped playing and i think once i started really playing and studying more on my instrument that i got to be, i have better musical ideas overall you know yeah you, you should open yourself up to so much more Absolutely. but uh, that's my advice you know yeah it's all great advice and well. and, and and be patient <laughs> Patience, yes, yeah, <laughs> as yeah. we mentioned before, it'll right. happen. It, it might yeah. seem like it's not going to happen. It might be difficult, yeah. and and you do have to overcome that self doubt. And I, you know, I've been there, and I know people have. But it, it's yeah. uh, when it does happen, it's rewarding, and you'll yeah. and it's fulfilling, and it it it, it yeah. And it, 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 you know, <laughs> if you don't make a jillion dollars, you, you know, you probably had fun on the way, and you met some cool people, and you exactly make friends, you know, and 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 continue to make music, you know. And you can, anybody can release music now, you know, just there, you can distribute it all over the world very quickly, put up a video somewhere and, uh, you know, you can find an audience. So, yeah, that's my advice. Well, Mark, thank you so, oh, sorry. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Kai. I was going to say thank you. Oh, I was going to say thank you. (laughs) Yeah. No, no. Uh, anyway yeah this was well, fun thank, yeah. i appreciate it's been it so great and so enlightening thank you for sharing about your process and 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 i mean your projects and your scores and and oh, thank uh, you and i want to thank also uh my friends over at impact 24 pr for helping us yes. put this together for this amazing yes. series and uh thank you for all who's watching for tuning in for our third annual uh, symposium this is a, a kickoff to another great uh series of panels and events so but Mark is kicking us off with this one. So Mark, thank you for, for joining us I appreciate us it. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you.